This episode contains brief discussion of the death of a child. Listener discretion is advised. Welcome to another episode of the Bad Associations podcast. I'm your host, Brian, and joining us today is Annie. Annie is physically out, mentally out, and has been for about three years now. Throughout our conversation, Annie shares her experiences growing up in a household where her mother took the spiritual quote-unquote lead since her father was not a witness. Due to their achievements in the congregation, pioneering the ministry school, her family was often held up as a shiny example within the congregation, even being selected to perform in the dramas at conventions. From an early age, Annie realized that she was not attracted to men. In addition to that, she didn't see herself continuing as a Jehovah's Witness, and at just 13 years old, she presented a formal case, an actual printed report, to her mother, explaining why she needed to leave. Annie also opens up about the pressure she faced when her grandfather's death pushed her towards baptism, but at the age of 18, she saw the future that awaited her as a witness and made the decision to pursue higher education as her first step out of the cult. When her grandmother left the country to pursue missionary work, she moved into the vacated apartment to house sit. It was at this point she truly began living a double life. We talk about the strict view of disfellowshipping within her family and the profound impact it had on her relationships with non-JW relatives. As Annie adjusted to worldly customs and traditions like holidays, birthdays, and even gambling, she discovered the toll that her upbringing had taken on her mental health. I really enjoyed this interview, and I hope you do as well. Here's Annie. Was there a single moment where uh, everything started to unravel? Shoot, when you know, there's there's actually two. Okay. If if I had to pick, um, the first one was kind of a almost a gradual unraveling. Um, you know, when I started middle school, um, you know, I, I started attending public education and. You know, you, you you get to meet people that aren't monsters <laughs> at public school. They're not monsters like you've been told. They're monsters the whole life. Right. Um, and then when you get into high school, um, you know, you, you become greater friends with them. Your your teachers start meeting a lot. Your friends start meeting a lot. And you, you know, you start having these doubts. Like these don't seem like the demons that I thought they were. On top of that, I was a pretty good student. Um, I it excelled in school, so I started taking like AP bio classes, stuff like that. I learned a lot about evolution that, you know, really started kind of shaking the doubts that I had hmm. or, you know, shaking them up, I guess is a better word. Like right, it, it was right. like harder and harder to keep things down. And on top of all of that, you know, I, I started realizing that guys weren't my thing. Um, okay. I wasn't attracted to guys in the way that the other girls in my congregation were. Um, I wasn't dating like the way that my, my friends in the congregation were. Um, and that was because I, I, I was attracted to women and I really didn't know how to reconcile that um, with what I had been taught. 
So I had like a, you know, when you're, when you're 13, 14, man, everything is so dramatic. So I wrote up like a list, like a handwritten list of the reasons I didn't want to be a Jehovah's Witness anymore. Um, and I, and I shared them with my mom. At um, 13. And that, yeah, that went over like a lead balloon. I that's can probably one of the, Yeah, that's probably one of the worst fights I've ever had um, wow. with my mom. And like, I was such a nerd, man. I had bullet points. I had references. Oh my God. <laughs> like to other articles. You had a very scholarly presentation at 13 yeah, years old. 13, 14, somewhere around there. Wow. Um, but the crux of it was that you know, I'm, I don't think I'm a bad person, but I don't like boys. I don't like men. And at that time, like I, I told my mom that I was bisexual because in my head that was less evil than being gay. <laughs> hey, uh, <laughs> that's funny. A, a previous guest of mine, uh, he said he called it the buy now gay later plan. Oh, for real? <laughs> <laughs> I love that. <laughs> I love that. No, I, I remember doing that. I'm like, well, let's let's just test the waters with this. And the waters were were not safe. No, can't imagine. Um, Yeah, no, that was that was a really bad experience. And like my. I don't know if you call it a punishment. I don't know if you call it like just the consequences of that. That decision, that conversation I had with my mom was that like. Like she doubled down. On, okay. on what I had to do. So I was attending all the meetings. I was out in field service twice a week. I had to do personal study on top of that family study arrangement that came about later. Um, I don't know when you personally left, but you uh, know, they, they start. Go ahead. I'm, me, I was about, uh, it was like 2008, 2009. Okay. Yeah. So it might be, I think that like the family bible study came a bit a little bit later than that if if my dates are matching up right yeah they they um, replaced the book study with it yep. i remember it was like right around the time right after i left i think or right around the time i was leaving i think they 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 got rid of the book study yep yep and then it just now, became... man that was a bummer my book study slapped we had yeah we, yeah there was a cat there it was awesome <laughs> Oh, that's what I look forward it, to. It was always like my family was always assigned to the Kingdom Hall book study, which was super. Oh, that lame. sucks! I hated oh, that. Oh man, yeah, that it, was such a bummer. Going to somebody's house though, that was that was mm-hmm. awesome. That was like it, it's like it didn't really feel like a meeting, you know? No, not at all. No. My favorite. I used to go to this house that they had two Siamese cats. Mm-hmm. Um, that would scream through just about the whole thing. <laughs> like, especially, you better believe when that final prayer came on, these two Siamese cats came down and just screamed the whole oh time. Like, God. they, it was really cool. I like that. Oh. Um, but yeah, so like, I, I had to, I, I was really in it, really, really in it. Yeah. Um, it was kind of around that time that kind of, you know, like I, you know, when you grow up, you start going to therapy, you start realizing that the things that were said and the things that were done weren't necessarily good or, or, or fair to say to a child. Like there was yes. a lot of pressure put on me. Like, hey, if you don't do this, our family is gonna fall apart. Mm-hmm. If you don't do this, I'm gonna develop a stress ulcer. If you don't do this, like it could kill me. Right, a like, lot that of emotional sort of stuff. blackmail going on. Yeah, 
and and I will probably get into this later, but like my, my family is of split nationality. So mm-hmm. um, one of my parents is, is Puerto Rican and the other one is white. Um, and I'm also from a like, I guess, mixed religion family. So my mom was the Jehovah's Witness okay. um, and my dad was what they called out of the truth. So he used to be a Jehovah's Witness and, and left? No, he never was. My parents oh, met he, okay. when my mom was disfellowshipped. Oh, okay. Mm-hmm. So he was so he was another religion. Um, he was just like he didn't didn't particularly care. I think he was raised Baptist, but just was never into it. Okay, so just like nominally a believer, but didn't really associate with yeah, one like particular never, group. No, never went to church, nothing like that. Okay. Yeah, so I think there was a lot of pressure because like in the congregation my mom was kind of seen as oh my gosh look at her raising two kids without a spiritual head and, and look at her daughter you know going to all the meetings and doing field service and her son is giving talk like we were that family okay yeah just um, like the 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 adversity story yes it, yeah no it was it was real so anyway like there's that pressure from the congregation. I tried to give my, you know, my mom my PDF document of reasons why I needed to leave. That didn't work. <laughs> I, I can't um, imagine. And and so, like, I was in it, in it. And um, it was around that time that my mom's father died. Uh, my grandfather died. Um, and it just kind of, like, fractured our family. Um mm-hmm our family was very much a patriarchy like and and this is again the latino side so like my grandfather ruled all in that side of the family and i i think there was a part of me that like or a part of my mom that didn't think her dad was actually ever gonna die like you know she told me not to apply not to even worry about high school because you know the new world was gonna come right so she didn't expect her dad to die and when he did like it it just broke our whole family apart like i remember thinking like this is the end of the world wow. like there's no way that our family can survive this so and well, so, like, so your grandfather what? was a witness as well yes okay yeah my mom's side were our, our witnesses okay how many how many generations back does that go is it did, did just you, to my grandparents just to your grandparents mm-hmm. so you're a i guess a third generation we, you, i assume you were raised in the truth yes sir faults huh the false <laughs> yeah for real <laughs> i hate calling i i really hate calling it the truth and it's like I a do reflex too. It it's is. a reflex so you were third generation witness yeah your grandparents converted yes i assume way back in way way back in the day yeah like i think they were all latinos are mostly catholic so they i think they mm-hmm. were catholic beforehand and then through just an immense amount of love bombing is what I would call it. Yeah. Um, you know, became got into the truth. <laughs> they got baptized, had five kids, raised them all in the truth. Wow. And then my, yeah, my mom obviously raised my brother and myself in the truth. So anyway, the point is my grandfather died. Yeah. And like it was such like a earth shattering thing that like my mom kept saying stuff like, okay, well now, you know, now you have to, now you have to get baptized. You know, it's what your, what your grandfather would have wanted. 
And I got to the point where I'm like, okay, maybe this is the only way to save my mom, to to save my family. So man, I was I was in it, in it in high school. Man. I'm talking like auxiliary pioneering. Yep. Like in high school. Not, yeah, not thinking about anything to do with women. Could not handle that. Just push that down. Um, I was uh, volunteering for every part. Volunteering to be the replacement if a sister couldn't give her talk like that sort of thing like I was helping the elderly I was helping make meals like I was in it in it and that kind of brings me to like my second I guess like the moment where it all started to crumble man I must have been about 18 years old I had just graduated college um I had taken a gap year as most witnesses do to, to pioneer, even though I was a 4.0 student and could have gotten mm-hmm. to any college that I wanted to. Sure. Um, and I was sitting at an Italian restaurant um, with all these pioneer and auxiliary pioneer sisters. Um, and we were, you know, it was kind of like a going away party for, for one of the auxiliary pioneers in our hall mm-hmm. um, who was moving congregations. And I remember looking around that table and seeing women that were elderly and had never found a good Christian brother to marry, seeing women that were in relationships that were unhappy, seeing them women that were in relationships, and I know those relationships were abusive, um, and just basically looking around and seeing a lot of I guess unfulfilled women. I'm not saying that like you need to be with the right person to be fulfilled. I'm sure a lot sure. of these women didn't want to get married. Like they could have done yeah. something, you know, with their career or whatever. Or they didn't want and, to get married when they got married. Yeah. Like at 17, 18 years old, like all right. my friends did. So I remember sitting at that table and then realizing that I was also at that table. And I didn't like, it felt like, Oh, Christ above. Is this my future? (laughs) Holy shit. That's, that is the only thing that was rolling through my head. And that is like the first panic attack I think I've ever had. Like I, I got up from the table and just melted down. I I couldn't. It was like a one of us, one of us. (laughs) Yeah. And I, I I couldn't do it. I'm like, Holy shit. I got to get out of here. And so I remember being like 18 years old. It's nine o'clock at night and I am just sitting on the curb of an Italian restaurant. One of the <laughs> one of the sisters came out and was like, are you good? I'm like, yeah, I'm good. I got a stomach ache. They're like, do you want me to sit? I'm like, I'm obviously crying. I'm like, no, just go back. And so they left me there. They left me on the curb of the Italian restaurant. And I didn't know what to do. So I called my dad mm. and my dad came and picked me up because I didn't have a car. Um. And I don't think I, I don't think I explained what was going on. All he knew is that his daughter was crying. And I just remember him taking me to Burger King because <laughs> that's how my dad operated. Like, oh, you're having an emotion. I'm not going to talk to you about it. Here's some food. <laughs> <laughs> right. Um, and I think that's when I was just like, I can't keep pretending, man. I can't like, this is killing me. I can't do it. What are the next steps? For me, it was college. Like I, I needed to go to college. I knew that I wasn't going to have a future if I didn't have some sort of higher education. And I'm not saying that's the answer for everyone, but I'm saying it's a good first step. Like for you, it was, that was the answer for you. Yeah. 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 Um, but like, 
It's really hard to do when you're in that position. You didn't apply for colleges with, when all of your friends were doing that in right, high you're school. You're behind. You're behind. I'm sure as shit not getting any help from my parents. Yep. Right? So, it, like, even just getting them to, like, allow me to go to college, like, to sign the FAFSA and to, you know, <laughs> pitch in a couple hundred dollars towards community college classes, that was a whole thing. Wow. Right, that was arguments on arguments and arguments, and kind of like that emotional manipulation. Well, this isn't what your family wanted. I'm like, you know, that's just kind of what needs to happen. So all this time, I'm still going to meetings. I'm still, I, I kind of stopped doing field service, but I'm, I'm definitely still going to meetings at this time. You um, still living with your parents at the time? Yeah, yeah, I couldn't afford housing. And when you're going for financial aid. All they look at is your parents' yeah. income. They don't. Yeah. Look, you can't. It's not like you can go to them and be like, "Well, my parents don't. My I can't. I need help because my parents don't want to pay for college." Sure. And that doesn't really go over very well. So no, it's not a. It's not a good way. To, you're not going to get a lot of help that way. Well, the good news there was I had the grades to get good scholarships, so that covered a good bulk, good bulk of it, and um. I, I decided to go into teaching hmm. um, and like I think my parent my mom bought into the idea of oh the new world will still need teachers so right. I guess if she's gonna go to college this is <laughs> this is a good first step I guess whatever yeah. um, so she, she she did help pay for for a few classes in community college mm-hmm. um, after two years there I transferred over to a major college um, and, and finished up my degree um, during that time, my grandmother, on my mom's side, um, decided to do missionary work um, and moved out to a foreign country but needed somebody to watch her apartment. And who better to watch her do- apartment than her very good Jehovah's Witness granddaughter mm. who isn't taking an interest in boys because her mind is on the truth. So <laughs> surely right. she'll be perfect. <laughs> Yeah. Um, yeah, that's so, why. <laughs> so it was. I I I, uh, I I house sat at her place for about two years, which was awesome. Like just to be able to have that independence, it gave me time to get away from my parents, to start hanging out with people that I wanted to hang out with. Because like, you know, there's. Yeah, this is your first th- taste of freedom yeah. after leaving your parents. Mm-hmm. Like you, you, this is your first time moving out. Mm-hmm. I was maybe 19 years old. You're 19, still in college 20. at this point or you're done? Yes. Okay. You're still, yeah, in, no, I'm college. still in college because I'm 19, 20 years old. Okay. So, I mean, like that was, that was awesome. Like I, I had that freedom. I'm getting to hang out with people. And like I said, like all Jehovah's Witnesses, we're not all the same or they're not all the same. I always get confused with how Definitely I refer to them as. Well, I mean, you're talking about how, how much your parents fought you on college and my parents literally were pushing me into college. Yeah, yeah. So, like, it's different. And, like, I knew some Witness kids who were, like, allowed to go to prom and stuff like that and allowed yeah. to have friends. Like, when I say I was not allowed out of the house, I was not allowed out of the house unless it was people she knew and basically set up friendships for. Whoa. Like, it was intense. <laughs> um, so this yeah. was, like, 
I remember like the first day I had that apartment, I called up my friend and I'm like, you know what? I've got a place, you know, come on <laughs> over, let's hang out. And I was like, so excited to say that. Yeah. She probably thought I was a sociopath, <laughs> but whatever. <laughs> like everything was new for me. Like I got to, yeah. you know, and then like once you start running, you can't stop. So I got to like celebrate a birthday and oh my God, the feeling of blowing up your first candle at 21 years old is just wild. Oh, wow. So you're like, okay, so not only are you like, you're starting, you're not only starting your life outside your parents, you're starting your double life as well. Oh, sure. Oh, yeah. I was fully in this double life. Yeah, because you had already decided you're like, okay, I'm not going to do this. So, you know, step one, you go to college. So you're this friend that you called over, I, I assume not a witness. No, um, they're actually now my partner. Um, I'm oh. living in a house I bought with her. So awesome. <laughs> I guess I didn't think I was too much of a sociopath. I guess not. <laughs> yeah, right now, right now I'm in a house that I bought with her. Well, um, glad they ignored that little red flag there <laughs> oh yeah for sure for sure no i'm like no she 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 knows my story cool it's always a blessing to like you have someone that like gets it as much as they can possibly get it so i'm, I'm very mm -hmm. thankful for that that's that's really that's really great yeah so yeah like during this time like uh i am i'm fully living a double life i'm going to meetings um but i'm slowly like not showing up to all of them yeah or i'll say that i'm going to a meeting at my grandmother's con uh, congregation and i'm actually not going at all mm. or you know i'm saying you know college is just too much right now i need to focus on like I'm, I'm i'm fading yeah yeah i'm fading does anybody suspect anything at this point oh uh, my mom does she's not stupid okay yeah no she's not she's not stupid so she she definitely suspected um but like I just also during this time that I had to set boundaries with my mom, like you are not allowed at my place of living at all without prior invitation and me knowledge of you coming over here. Like I, mm. I, I just can't have that in my life. Yeah. Just showing up. Yep. Can't do that. So the house that I'm in, she hasn't stepped foot in. Okay. Yeah, so, I mean, that's just, it, it's a boundary that I just had to set for, for my personal sake. Mm -hmm. So, but at the same time, you know, I, I, I still love my mom. So I'm I'm going right. over to her house to spend time with her. I, I love my dad. So I'm, I'm spending time with my dad as well. Um, it, It's during this time that my brother leaves, leaves the truth. Okay. Like my brother and I haven't always seen eye to eye. But I have, like, always, always admired just the way he did it. Um, the amount of pressure that he faced as, you know, the firstborn dude yeah. in this family. Like, he was expected to carry on this family name. He was giving talks at, like, 13, 14. He was giving talks at the Theocratic Ministry School. Like, mm. he, was, he was in it, in it, too. And it took me by surprise. I did not know that he had all of this pent up. Hmm. And he just snapped one day and said, I'm done. I'm, I'm not doing this. He did not fade. He just, he looked everybody in the eye and said, I'm out. Whoa. And I've always admired just the conies it took to do that. <laughs> just did a, he just did a mic drop. Yep. And he, he moved away. 
and he's like like i love you guys i love you all but i cannot live this this fake double life i'm this is who i am and i'm out oh, man. um so your dad who's not a witness at this or was never a witness at this point does like does he yeah. have anything to say about like no all this so he's just going along with your mom Mm-hmm. on everything so he's just kind of he's not really I, I want to say like a refuge for you at no. all no it's just you know that generation I mm. think of guys tends to be like that mm. uh, when I'm when my grandmother came back um, I had to move back in with my parents I must have been about 21 mm. um, and then my girlfriend and I wanted to get a apartment together and so I eventually had to tell them like hey I'm, I'm moving out um, and I'm moving in with my friend said like that <laughs> <laughs> um, and golly that was just that was just a nightmare like the the crying and the what are you doing and are you sure and you're you know this isn't what our family wants for like that was that was rough but yeah, then we moved into an apartment and um, eventually bought a house um, that we we just moved into. And and that conversation was rough with my parents as well. Um, yeah. One thing that I have I don't know kind of learned about my mom is that if there's something that she doesn't agree with, she will not address it. Um, it is very emotionally manipulative and it's took many years of therapy to realize that that is a form of emotional abuse when they won't talk to you about something Mm -hmm. like i can have a conversation with her and if she doesn't like what i'm talking about she'll just turn around (laughs) yeah so when i told her i bought a house like she's just like hmm okay well fine like no no offers of money no offers to come help paint and i'm not saying i expected it or anything like that but when my partner's parents and family were rallying around us it was really jarring to look at my side and say that hey my family's bringing nothing to this table i mean you can explain it to them all you want and they're just that's at least in my experience they're you know kind of dumbfounded that people would behave this way yeah it's like a what do you what are you doing? And I, I still think my mom thinks that this is just a phase. Like I, I still genuinely think that you're just gonna, you're just gonna wake up and be straight one day. I guess I don't know. <laughs> and like I, I, I tried to make a promise to myself that I wasn't gonna lie to my parents anymore. So I'm just gonna live my life. If you ask questions about it, I'm gonna tell you the truth. But the way my family operates is that we don't ask questions about anything. And I think that's almost the peace that we've reached at this stage in my life. Like, like I'm doing ask, my thing tell. over here. Yup. Straight up. Yeah. <laughs> but the only person that did ever ask anything was uh, my dad. Just like, <laughs> hey, you know, he, and he, he claimed that that was my mom is the one that's thinking about it. Like, you know, your mom is thinking that you and I, you and your your friend are more than just friends and i kind of turned it back i'm like dad what do you think because like for the first time in your life don't tell me what <laughs> my mom thinks what do you think and he goes you know i can only i only know what you tell me and i just like i just broke down and i'm like dad i 
listen, I'm I'm a, I'm not a lot of things. I'm not, you know, I'm no supermodel. I'm I'm working a corporate job now. I'm not a genius. I'm not anything like that. But I know I am a good daughter. I have been a good daughter. I I take care of my parents. I take care of my grandparents, and that's just something that is instilled in me. And I was like, if I tell you the truth, you're not gonna see me as a good daughter anymore. And neither is my mom. So this is just where we have to be. Hmm. And like he cried and it was just a really interesting moment to me. Cause he's like, you know, we'll always see you as a good daughter. And I know my dad will, my, my mom wouldn't. Right. But. So my dad knows, I think my mom knows, we're just again choosing not to address it, Hmm. which is, I don't know if that's cowardly. I don't know if that's a smart thing to do. I don't know if I'm being stupid for doing this. It's just the piece that I found in this family so far. I assume there's never any elder involvement. Nobody called you to a judicial committee or anything like that, or did they? They tried. They tried. Yeah, no, I, all of the elders on my phone are marked as their name and do not answer. I'm not, Oh wow. I don't owe you an ex, like an explanation. Right. And that's something that, you know, that I think like a lot of people in my position, maybe sometimes feel like, Oh, they're calling me into a judicial committee. They're calling me into a shepherding call. I have to go. No, that's just a dude. You don't owe jack shit to anyone. If you don't want to yeah. go, you're an adult. Don't go. Exactly. Like it, it's it's so liberating to realize that these, you know, these people that you've looked up to your entire life as somebody, you know, somebody who's like in charge, and yeah, very much in charge. And then you just realize one day it's like these are just fucking dudes <laughs> this is just, just a guy this this guy washes fucking windows <laughs> like who, yeah. the hell, who the hell does he have what right th- does he have to tell me where to go like i'm an adult yeah so yeah. no i'm not gonna tell you about my service hours no i'm not gonna like and just i'm not i'm not showing up i'm not doing a shepherding call i'm not answering your how are you doing text i'm not answering a. do they still send that... those to you now yeah yeah, they do. How long? Roughly, how long has it been since you moved in with your partner? Like a couple? Has it been years? Has it been no, months? No, no, it's been. Um, in the apartment, I moved in in the apartment. Uh, coming up on three years. Like I've been living with her okay. for about three years. So they've been hounding you for this long. Yeah. They must they must not have a lot to do in their congregation, I guess. <laughs> oh, they there's plenty to do in in that congregation. Like they can start going after the convicted pedophiles in our congregation if they want something to do. Right. Like <laughs> Oh, they're not going to do that. No, no, Christ, no. Um oh, man. You might as well harass this lesbian that's not bothering anyone. Right. Um <laughs> That's so different than my experience because I just kind of I kind of did the same thing where I just stopped going and yeah like i was in a convention one day and i just it was right after intermission and i'm just like and i just realized like i didn't want to be there i had gone yeah. i had gone there because i'd been pressured into doing it sure and i just realized it's like i am 26 years old i don't have yeah. to be here if i don't want to be i have yeah. a car 
there's literally nothing stopping me from just getting up and going to my car and driving back home and that's exactly what i did uh, good for you but like that i mean like that's that's a really good feeling it but really is, it when, is. You, when you get that but they never but, came after me though that's oh so, that's so different like they never even tried i i was living with my witness sibling at the time my brother mm -hmm. And he had elders from our hall coming over to our apartment to study with him, and they didn't even try to talk to me. That's wild. To be fair, this might make the difference. I hadn't been in that congregation for very long, so... Okay. Was the, Is this congregation, like, the one you grew up in? Or... Yes. Okay. So these elders, like, know you, and... Mm -hmm. Okay. And, like, that might I, be, I think... That might be the difference. I think it goes back to our family being painted as that golden family. Right. Oh, look how brave the mother is. She doesn't have a spiritual head and look at how great her yeah. children are. And like your example is being, is the kind of thing that they talk about on the stage at conventions and assemblies. Like, look at this sister who, who has an unbelieving mate and still has yep. a pioneering two pioneering children. We were parts in assemblies. Oh, really? My, my brother and I were both on the drama. Oh, like in the drama. Like, yes, in the drama. And I'm talking old school drama when there was 3000 people staring at you. Yes, sir. Oh, we were both man. in the drama. <laughs> we were. Did you, we, did you get to wear old school, like ancient people costumes? Heck and stuff? Yeah, I did. It was oh, awesome. You man. better believe it was below <laughs> the knee, right? Below oh, the knee. Course. We can't get too crazy. Your um, did your brother get to wear a fake beard? He did not. He was he was younger at the time, so okay. he was playing like a I don't remember, like a page boy or servant boy or something like that. <laughs> Still though, that's like man, I, I can't I, I bet so many people listening to this, me included, are like so jealous of you right now. Dude, Just... no, it was shitty. Are you no, let me give you the inside details. So Absolutely. to be on the Let's drama. Do this. Let's do this. So to be in the drama want like upstanding families so they're they're right they're they go to the elders and they're like okay give us some families that you think you know could i don't know benefit from it or whatever and it's very funny now that i'm thinking back at like our cast like there was three kids that were in it all of them are gone now but <laughs> <laughs> whatever they did their best including um, you or in, in addition to you there was two younger guys so my brother and another younger guy that was about my age. Hmm. They're both gone. So they're both gone. Um, there were other girls my age. They're all like in it, in it still, married with kids, 17 years old type deal. You know how it is. Oh, yeah. Um, That's just interesting to think about. Anyway, like we had to every, I want to say it was at least three times a week. And then when it was closer to the drama, it was every day oh, drive. Wow. 30 minutes to this congregation that was in the bad side of town like there was carjackings like at oh, least a few man. people got their car oh, broken no. into like it was it was bad bad and like oh. practice it over and over and over again it oh, was on top it of was everything miserable. else too on top of field service on top of meetings you better believe you're not going to miss any of those oh, my God. And you're not, you don't even have speaking lines because you're like pantomiming the entire thing, right? They're, they yes. Like a... So they're playing a recording, but they wanted you to look like you're speaking. So you needed to memorize because you needed to be able to 
mouth the words and Lip-sync. say the words. Yeah. So all of us on the stage, at least at the way, I don't know if it's, you know, universal across the board, but at least the way that we did it, we were all talking. It was just the recording was so much louder. That's the only thing you heard. Oh, okay. Oh, so you're actually speaking when you're doing mm-hmm. on the stage, when you're doing the drama. It's just that nobody, obviously nobody can hear you because it's yeah, so far we're not, away. And we're not mic'd up. Yeah. Okay. I guess that makes sense because I mean it, it it would look real I guess it would look really weird if you weren't if you weren't like opening your mouth at least or if you weren't <laughs> like doing like something. I don't know do they still do like live dramas I think they're all recorded right I don't know I haven't been to a I haven't been to a convention in like 15 years almost yeah so I they were still when they they were still doing live dramas when I was going but you know I left right before they changed a lot. Like, yeah, they, they around 2011, 2012, mm-hmm. somewhere around there. That's when the tablets came out and the JW.org came out and the the pseudo 700 club televangelist stuff started Shoot, happening. Man. I and could. That, yeah. And looking at from the outside, I'm like, man, this is like not the religion I grew up with. Oh, no, not at all. Not at all. Like, I think the last convention that I attended was before COVID. So I want to say maybe maybe 2019, maybe mm-hmm. 2018. I'm not 100%. I'm terrible with dates. Sure. But I remember that they didn't have a live drama. Instead, they had, like, almost a sitcom. Like, I'm talking, like, <laughs> 70s intro, like, meet jamie and like a smiling woman so lame oh my god i remember it being i'm gonna see if i can send you a link after this you can include it in the podcast notes i remember it being the most racist thing i had ever seen in my entire (sighs) life no like it was all about like and i'm i'm taking this from like what i saw on the screen i do not believe in any of this but it's all about how all asian families are pressured to make a lot of money and how all Asian families love money more than anything. Um, And everybody talked in a ridiculous accent. Like it was bad, bad. I'm going to have to see if I can find the video. Man, Um, that's like, holy, I'm I'm surprised Twitter didn't didn't get a hold of that. (laughs) I have to, I don't think they actually ever. Like in this day and age, like Mm -hmm. you can't, like I didn't think you could get away with stuff like that. That's ridiculous. It, it felt racist to me. I don't think they ever actually put it up on JW.org. Oh. I think like the feedback that day was just like, oh man, because people were talking about it. Like my friends were talking about it. Like, hey, does this seem weird to you? Oh my gosh. <laughs> so that was like, so even even your active witness friends were just like, that's uh. Yeah. No, it was. <laughs> Let's pretend this didn't happen. Yeah, I uh, think it was one of those. Oh my gosh. It was it was rough. I'm gonna man, I'll have to see if I can find it later. Just oh. to send it to you. Oh that is it, that sounds so cringeworthy and just to be sitting there at the convention, I can only imagine just how much in disbelief that they can be this tone deaf about. Oh my god, I think I found it. Oh, it's called Remember the Wife of Lot. It's in a three part. Oh man. Found it on JW.org. Oh, it's but, a, it actually it's is there. on the website. Oh yeah, my it's gosh. There. 
and I don't know if maybe because like I was man I was in how old was I in 2019 I was like 20 years old and obviously in colleges about you know gender and racial sensitivity classes maybe I read too much into it but at the time it felt like super racist it seems like it's it seems like very old-fashioned kind of like mm-hmm. like the exact kind of I don't know if it I don't know if you want to consider like racist it's not racist in the sense that there's like hate coming it's not coming from a place of hate I don't doesn't sound like but more from mm-hmm. a place of ignorance yeah for sure like they're just like they hey oh, Asian people will relate to this <laughs> for real that's what it was it was miserable hey am I right guy it's more like a, am I right guys that's how I feel with like the right huh the, the Caleb and Sophia videos that started coming out oh god like whoa we're making if I like when I was a kid at the hall like if I had gotten a phone out I would have gotten backhanded like and now all of a sudden these kids have like entire like games that they're playing on their tablet like JW videos they're watching all about these two characters it's just it's it's wild it's all very during the meeting yeah like like kids in the meeting are now all, all on tablets and they're they're on the JW kids portion of the site I don't know if it's games I'm probably exaggerating I can't say I've ever been there but like the Caleb and Sophia stuff, I remember during an ill-fated trip to New York, like um, like seeing like cardboard stand, like those cardboard standees. Yeah, you know, yeah, yeah. Of, I know what you're talking Caleb about. Of Caleb and Sophia, oh that, like my people gosh. were posing with, like it was <sighs> Disney World. <laughs> the most horrible Disney World ever. Yeah, no, it's. <laughs> oh my god. It's just I don't know, man. It's weird to think about yeah that is so it is so weird and but yeah like we I, were, I gotta remember not to talk about this every single episode but i it, it still just dumbfounds <laughs> me how weird it is because like, i grew up i'm quite a bit older than you and i grew okay. up in very like 1950s business I, it doesn't matter that you're seven years old you should be able to stay up till 10 o'clock at night discussing finer points of doctrine like I mean, you, you, yeah. you were there for some of that. Yes, so, I like, was. I was yeah. like, like you were I there... remember Bible study, the revelation book. Yeah. The book of Daniel. <laughs> I hated the book of Daniel more than anything. I swear to God, we did that. Every other Bible study was oh, the book yeah. of Daniel. Yeah. And, and it made it, zero sense. Yeah. Like how many I times analyzed... did you study the revelation book? <sighs> at least like twice. Yeah. At least twice. I and, and it was like from when it first came out, I think it was like eighty nine or something like that when it first came out around there and we studied we probably studied it like five times before you were even born. And then Christ above. Yeah. <laughs> I mean the uh, miserable. I mean the artwork is pretty cool though. It's like you look at oh, it and yeah. it's like <laughs> Yeah, for real. The, what's, the, what's it called? The Harlot of Babylon? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. That's goals. Oh, Maybe man. that's goals. <laughs> um, I always remember being like the My Book of Bible Stories because I, I did have that one. Like, yeah, yeah. Uh, Wicked Queen Jezebel. Like, I remember yep. thinking, like, man, she looks pretty awesome. I'm not going to lie to you. <laughs> I don't think she deserved to be eaten by dogs. Yeah, I know. Like, um, and, and she probably just did something like 
have have an I, I don't even remember an what opinion? she did wrong. She had an opinion of her own and disagreed with a man. That's so unacceptable. And like like thinking about that sort of thing, again, like my mom is a witness, my dad isn't, and we're this golden family. I think they were all expecting you know that like that that scripture and that teaching in the Jehovah's Witness faith, like, okay, we'll keep putting forth a good example and yeah. eventually your partner will come around. Yeah. And why isn't you know, why isn't my dad coming around? I have clear memories of like the older sisters in our hall being like, you know, it's your responsibility to, you know, talk to your dad and to preach to him. Otherwise he won't be with us in the new world. So like it's and, your fault if he doesn't like come around. Yes. Oh, and so like being eight, I'm like, my dad's gonna fucking die <laughs> if I read to him my book of bible stories that's crazy that is a crazy amount of pressure to put on a kid and and to be your to be in your dad's position i just if my kid came up to me and was like daddy i need to read you the story or else you're gonna die i'm gonna be like who in the fuck (laughs) told you that shit and you are never going to talk to them again (laughs) he's I love my daddy's very type B to a mm. fault. Mm-hmm. If yeah. your mom wants to do it that way, do it that way type deal. You can't just like, you're not just going to be like, oh, I'm getting a divorce. It's like, that's not something yeah. that you just do. It's like with anything else. It's a, pro- a lot of that's probably just normalized to him too. And it sure. was normalized before you were born. So your mom met your dad when she was disfellowshipped. Yeah. So they got married and was it long before she decided to come back? So my family's relationship with this fellowshipping is very severe is, is how I would describe it. So my mom came back when I was two years old. So she had me um, and then lasted, you know, two years before she came back um, and got reinstated and all that. And I genuinely believe it was due to the lack of like you she was what 20 years old when she had me 21 years old mm-hmm. somewhere around there when she had me um to be a new mother and to not have your mom yeah. must have been terrifying oh, like yeah. I, I i feel for her like that i i truly i, I truly do she's done a lot that i don't forgive but I understand why she went back. I don't excuse it. I understand. Right. Right. Um, what about your dad's parents? They were there. Yeah. They were, they there. were there. Okay. Yeah. So but, like were... that doesn't replace your mom. Right. Of course not. Mm-hmm. Of course not. So, you know, she came back. Um, and that's something our family has never wavered on is disfellowshipping. So like I mentioned before, my mom has four siblings. I have met two of them. Hmm. Um, I have I have an aunt and uncle that I do I have never met because they were both disfellowshipped. Wow. I don't know how many cousins I have um, because I, I I literally I don't know where they are. I've huh. tried finding them on the internet. One of them has a name so generic oh, that geez. it's matching to millions of people, and I don't know what state he's in. It's like his name um, is Bill Smith. <laughs> something like that something but like that yeah and the other one 
um, has been, to my knowledge, remarried uh, a, a few times. I don't know what her last name is. Hmm. So she's really hard to find. So, Actually, they're, just, was, so they're just they're lost. gone. The there then there's two other siblings. One of them is my mom's older sister, and we, I was kind of raised together with my cousins, uh, her kids. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm, I mean, like they were over all the time. Like, and and that mom was a witness. Her husband wasn't kind of like my parents. Right. The mom was in. The dad wasn't. Um, and my mom loved my cousins like they were her own. Like, you know, we had sleepovers that lasted for weeks type deal. Like, we would, both ways, we we were really, really close. Um, And then one day, she got divorced, uh, not divorced, disfellowshipped. And I never saw her or the cousins again. And that really stuck with me, because my mom, I know my mom loved them kids. And she never talked to them again. Why wouldn't she do that for me? Right, like I know how she would react if I got truly disfellowshipped. I would never see my mom again. Yeah. They're just they're so serious about that. Mm-hmm. So I have I have no idea I actually found those those cousins um online. So I've been able to, you know, we we follow each other on Instagram, but you know what the what the heck is there to say? You know, you Yeah. You, you, miss you know so much. Yeah, it, it's just kind of one of those things where I think we both followed each other and we're like, okay, we're just going to let that wound stay closed. Yeah. And I think that's just, that's the overarching theme of my family is let that wound stay closed. Don't yeah. address it. Where is your kid? Shh, don't talk about it. <laughs> it's amazing how easy it was to build those relationships when you were younger. And now as an adult, it's just, it's so much harder because yeah. everybody's busy and you don't have any free time and it's sort of like you, you have to really make an effort to yeah. cultivate relationships with people now and you don't know these people you have to like really hit it off with them on a personal mm-hmm. level it, it can't be just like you're my cousin and we're best friends now and we're just gonna see each other yeah like, like that... they're not gonna come and spend the week with you yeah no like when you were kids like... so yeah. And, and one of them has got like a family of his own now. Yeah, everybody's what, so busy. What, it, like it's, and they're in completely on the other side of the states. You know, it's, it's yeah. It just it is what it is. Yep. Um. So I, I don't really have any family on my mom's side to speak of. I but then on my dad's side, I I never really had a connection with them because they were all the quote unquote worldly family. Like, I can remember my mom saying stuff like, okay, yeah, they're your family, but they're not your real family. Like, and that that kind of, like, put a, like, a buffer in between, you know, my grandparents on that side and my aunts and uncles and cousins on that side. Because I was always the weird witness cousin who didn't come around for Christmas and Thanksgiving. (laughs) Yeah. And, like you know my no like i have friends that are like oh you should reach out to your cousins there like yeah they're my cousins by blood i don't know them they don't know me i will always like that ship has sailed and it's so hard to explain that like it's you know i i've been trying to make a better effort to go out and visit my grandparents on my dad's side um i'm very fortunate that 
you know, I have a lot of my grandparents still alive. So I'm, you know, I'm trying to do my best to, you know, stay in contact with them, but I didn't have that relationship with them as a kid. So I'm trying to rebuild that relationship as an adult and it's hard. Yeah. So much harder. Yeah. So it's like, how do I, how do I show you that I am not the same kid that made you take down your Christmas tree in (laughs) early December because it was stumbling my conscience or whatever the fuck I said back then. Like it's rough. And I I think that it's, that's a, that's a tactic that the witnesses use is, is that alienation. We're going to alienate you from all family who isn't a witness. Yep. Now, if you leave, you have no one. Yep. So tell me what 18 year old kid in their right mind is going to do that. And if they do do that, like my brother did good on him that's an unbelievable amount of trauma yeah and Stop and then then you have people like who are like well why don't you just leave like i don't think you understand the consequences <laughs> of just leaving sometimes right. that's not an option so no. i'm not officially disfellowshipped right i've i call it hard fading i don't i think mm-hmm. that's what they call it on reddit but like like if if i do you know, bite that bullet. I do get disfellowshipped. I don't have any family. Yeah. And I don't know if that's a sacrifice I'm willing to make yet. Sure. Maybe, maybe there'll be a time that comes. And I, I don't think that like, I don't think there's a right answer. Like, I don't think fading versus walking away versus, you know, being physically in, mentally out. I, I don't think there's a right yeah. answer. I think you just got to do what you can do to survive in that moment sometimes. I totally agree with that. That's, you know, how I've struggled with disassociation and do I get, dis- sure. do I disassociate myself? And I'm at the point where it's like, I'm not a Jehovah's Witness. That is their rule. And mm-hmm. I don't have to do that. And I'm not going. Yeah, to I don't that. have to. Right. I, I don't have to I don't have to follow their procedure. That's their procedure. I'm not one of them. You know, what take whatever you want to take from that, take from it. But mm-hmm. yeah, it, it, but some people they just you know, they talk about, you know, it gives them closure. It it helps them. Sure. And, but nobody's situation's the same too. Like some people everybody's family's different. Um, you know, witnesses aren't cookie cutter robots that are exactly mm-hmm. the same and always behave the same way it's like there's a lot of difference between there so yeah it, there's definitely multiple right answers for every situation and across people too like there's just there's different ways to do it and you just gotta find what's best for you what a nightmare <laughs> yeah I mean, I'm so used to it. It's just like it, people just. Yeah. I, I talk about these things like so casually. And people. Like, oh, like, you're losing all your family this Tuesday? Like, yeah. What can yeah. you do? <laughs> <laughs> well, people, ask, people ask me about my siblings. And I'm like, yeah, I have a brother. He doesn't talk to me. and and But some of my brothers do and some of them don't. And they're like just looking at me like, oh, I'm so sorry to bring that up. And I'm like, I. <laughs> I got past this. I worked. I've. I'm worked through this trauma years ago. Like yeah. it's. It's like, yeah. I'm sure it's just buried deep down there somewhere. And you know, I. I go to therapy and stuff, and I work things out. Yeah, therapy has been like. It's been like at the same time, 
the best thing I've ever done and also the worst thing I've ever done. Like, I, I can't say that, like, I've, I've stuck with it. Like, I'm, I'm one of those people, like, I yeah. I need an excuse. Give me an excuse to stop therapy and I'll take it. Just because it's, right. a, it's a painful, painful thing. Like, during yeah. my therapy, he, you know, he's like, I can't give you an official diagnosis, but, like, you're exhibiting a lot of signs of post-traumatic stress disorder. And, and from your time being a witness. Yeah. You know, just a lot of stuff happened that, you know, you shove down, you don't want to bring up. And then you go to therapy, and you, you bring it up and you cry about it and you get shaky about it. Then maybe it allows you to move forward. Yeah. And therapy is not the meetings. Like, you don't have to go every week. Like, oh, you, yeah. It, <laughs> <laughs> it's like a process. Like, you start it, you stop it, you find one that works. Yeah. Maybe you don't click with them. Like, it, it, it's definitely yep. probably encourage everyone to go to it if you haven't already. Oh, yeah. And I haven't, like, my therapist, I haven't seen her in months. And yeah, but I can just if I feel like I need to see her, I can just send her an email. It's like, hey, hey, what openings you got in the next couple of weeks? And it's no big deal. Like it's it's really just an as needed. I mean, for me, I'm in a position where it can be an, a very as needed thing. And I, I was seeing her regularly, you know, a while ago. But I, I feel uh-huh. like I've I personally have worked past some things and I just I, f- I don't feel like. I'm in such dire need of it now, but I do need it every once in a while still. Like it's, it's never, it's probably something you're never going to fully get over. So there's no shame in just like stopping it for a while and getting out from under it for a while and then just going off on your own. And that's like, you can always go back if you need to. Yeah. Nope. Yep. I don't know. It's been, it's been, it's been a journey. I'm, I'm glad I started it. Yeah. Um, you know, I just moved into a new place, so. That's congrat- congratulations. Hopefully, I'll get back to it soon. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, totally. And it's you know, whenever whenever you're ready. That's yeah. The thing. So, it's like it's not a not a journey type deal. Yeah, exactly. How was your adjustment to worldly activities like holidays, buying lottery tickets if you if you do that, gambling, oh my gosh, all the stuff that I witnesses that. aren't. All the stuff that witnesses aren't allowed to do, like that is my worldly guilty pleasure is buying a two dollar scratch off whenever I fill up my tank. And <laughs> I have got crazy luck. Yeah. I, I, I I should never go to a casino. I don't think I'll ever go because I think I would get addicted. I have that yeah. sort of personality. Mm. But I, I also feel like I'll win every time. Because every time <laughs> I play a two dollar, I'm either breaking even or I'm walking away with 30, 40, 50 bucks. Nice. Yeah, so that is definitely my guilty pleasure. Oh yeah. Um, I remember the first time I bought it, I was like scratching it off in my car, like, oh, look at me. Yeah. <laughs> I could be donating this money to JW.org, but I'm not. Right. Um, <laughs> you could, you could like, donate it to uh, Tony Morris's uh, yeah, scotch fund. Buy him a, buy him a drink. Yeah. <laughs> He needs one right now, probably. Oh, I bet. I bet. (laughs) All the holidays, I just, I, I was so, so awkward. Like with birthdays, with Halloween, with all of it. Like I just, I didn't know what to do. Yeah. And it's something that like, I think a lot of people take for granted is knowing the, the social ins and outs of holidays. Right. Right. Um, 
like just like little things like when do you start singing the happy birthday song when do i wish them a happy birthday is it appropriate like should i should i wrap this present will i think it's weird if i put it in a bag like <laughs> when do they blow out the candles when is the cake who starts singing this song? like all that stuff i was super yeah. super anxious about you like um, see all these no- like you, you you imagine all these faux pas that you're yes going to, that you're and going to commit be- without realizing it and everybody will think you're horrible <laughs> and maybe it's like because there are so many faux pas as a witness yeah. Right? Like if you you say the wrong thing when you've got the microphone, if you don't greet a sister the right way, if you're right. not wearing the right thing, it is a whole thing. Right. But you don't say you are a Jehovah's Witness, you say you're you are one of Jehovah's yes, Witnesses. Yes. Little stuff like that. No one yeah. thinks about that. Right. So like I remember going like like doing Halloween and it's my partner's favorite holiday. Like they, they love it more than anything. And I remember the first time that we did like trick or treating, like whatever trick or treaters came to our house, like I was grilling her with questions. Like, okay, so when they come here, what do I say? If they say trick or treat, do I say thank you? Do I say you're welcome? What, How many what pieces do I... of candy do I give them? Wait, right. What if teenagers come? I like I I do oh. not know. I do not know. I swear to God, the first time somebody said trick or treat, I was like, yep, and you also have a Halloween. (laughs) You may also have one. Mm, Candy. Like, I sounded like an alien from a different planet. They probably thought I was crazy high, but I was just, I was just anxious. Maybe that's what you need to do. Maybe, maybe you just need to get really high. Oh, you can't. Okay. I can't. No, my anxiety spikes. I am okay. not a fun person. I did that. Fair I did enough. that shit a couple times, and yeah. I'm like, oh, okay. So Jehovah is real. He's in my walls. <laughs> I gotta, <laughs> I gotta get out of here. Also, my thoughts. I can see them. Like I was, it was not a good experience for me. Um, Fair I mean, but like, you and know, I'm not gonna be one it. of those people's like, you just need like the right strain. The right strain. <laughs> Exactly. Like, no, no. I, I, like, I'm in the same boat. Like, I've, I've tried it many, many times. I've tried many different strains. And it's just nothing crazy. Not, nothing, like, really wild like that happened to me. But, like, it just, I don't have a good time. And sure. Oh, that's totally fair. I feel like I've given it a fair shake. And it's just not for me. And there's yeah. just some people where it's just not for them. And that's okay. Yeah. And, like, you know, going, we talked about therapy earlier, like, yeah, like going to therapy kind of helped me realize that I, you know, I think a lot of it is due to kind of some of the trauma that I, you know, endured growing up as a witness, but I I have anxiety that is at times difficult for me to get under control. And Mm -hmm. sometimes any substance like alcohol or like marijuana can like really spike that anxiety yeah. to the point where it is no longer funny you know how do you respond to trick or treat <laughs> but it's it's it is, like a it has ceased you, to be fun <laughs> it is it is no longer fun and everybody around you is having a fun good time so why are you being crazy um but no there's a couple people in my life like that too it just mm-hmm. doesn't work out for them yeah anyway no like i love holidays now like it's 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 my absolute favorite thing Halloween, not so much. Christmas, I am, I am in it, man. I am in yeah. it, in it. 
Like, I'm wrapping all the presents. I want to make the best Christmas cake. It's going to have a baby Jesus made a fondant on the top. Like, I, <laughs> I'm i obsessed with it. And it's yeah. such a, it's such a, to me at least, a happy feeling, especially yeah. Christmas. And I know that, you know, people, a lot of people, you know, Christmas, they'll take or leave. Right. But to me, it's just about, from what I've seen, like, it is just about family getting together, yeah. buying gifts for, like, the people that you love in your life. Like, I mean, that's people, such a sweet feeling. I mean, people have been celebrating Christmas since before it was Christmas. Like, it's yeah. just, it's a really depressing time of year. Mm-hmm. And it's really fun to just like bring a bunch of evergreen trees and, and stuff into your house and light it yeah. all up and make it look really pretty and, and have people over and, you mm-hmm. know, build those relationships. And everybody, almost everybody's off work, so they get you know everybody can get together and it, it's one of those precious times where you know you don't have those you don't have very many of those every year where you where everybody mm-hmm. well I, not so much anymore but like everybody used to or at least to some extent has some of those days off and mm-hmm. everybody almost everybody's like more available mm-hmm. to have those you know to have those experiences with and it's it's such you know even if like i don't i'm not religious mm-hmm. but i still celebrate christmas just because you know it's a it didn't really have anything to do with jesus to begin with but <laughs> b it's just it's fun and it's a nice thing to do and you know you can call it christmas you know it's like i don't have a problem calling it christmas because like we call thursday thursday that doesn't mean we worship thor sure yeah like, like it's just a it's name just the name you know? for it Every... and, so, and if you want to put it if you want to put that significance on it that's fine that's you know that could be your christmas you know and, and there's nothing wrong with it there's it's mm-hmm. very like you know you can do it however you want to do it like yeah it's so and much to me like yeah it's it's been like just a celebration of like the family and the friends in your life and the love you have for them yeah and that's really important to me as someone who like didn't have a lot of connections with family and didn't have like a lot of friends growing up like because just you know again you're just so socially isolated you don't know how to make friends as an adult you don't know how to make friends as a kid yeah you know so so now all of a sudden i'm in this house with like family and friends that love me that is really really special to me like and i remember talking to my partner's dad and maybe i had one too many (laughs) irish coffees who's to say um but i remember just telling him like man you are so lucky you are so lucky so blessed so fortunate whatever it is you want to call it Mm -hmm. and he's like he took a minute and he's like yeah i mean i guess and i'm like no i need you to understand you have an entire family in this house your entire family is in this house my entire family has never been in a house that is something wild to me that your entire family is here and together wow like and like i i just kept grilling him he's like yeah i guess i am lucky i'm like yeah you are thank you for letting me be a part of this i need another drink (laughs) (laughs) so oh man it's so much fun like having hard opinions on christmas too like i'm a very like (laughs) old school norman rockwell red and green fucking christmas yeah and there's nothing wrong with like you know 
you know, other people ha- do their own. Like some people do like blue and like I have a mm-hmm. I have a friend who is an ex witness and um, he married uh, a worldly woman and mm-hmm. or she was absolutely going to do Christmas and don't even sure. tell her not to. So their compromise was to be like, well, we're we're gonna do blue and silver. Uh, colors on our tree and on our house instead of instead of red and green because that way it doesn't feel as Christmassy as, yeah. as that and then, and, then I'm, and I'm I think that's kind of why I'm just sort of like no I want this to be unambiguously in your face yeah fucking Christmas man like that's <laughs> like nobody is going to have any doubt when they drive by my house that that tree is a fucking Christmas tree baby jesus is here he has been born in that household Um, (laughs) no and i think that's i think that's so interesting because like as i mean like your friend says is an ex-witness but is still uncomfortable with the christmas tree right yeah he was um because he still like believed it like he they it was yeah it was a physically out mentally in situation yeah um uh thankfully that is no longer the case but uh when i first you know when we first got back together as friends mm-hmm. you know that was kind of where he was at like he because he had been disfellowship but you know just being disfellowship doesn't mean you stop believing sure i i think that like i don't know if i'm like if i'm in the same boat with halloween like halloween is a holiday like yeah i am I'm, I'm like awkward around trick-or-treaters mm-hmm. but you know through years of therapy i've realized that the things like my mom had other issues that weren't just being a Jehovah's Witness. She had some mental issues that I think were uh, made more evident by her being a witness. Like, uh, extreme paranoia relating to demons. Mm -hmm. So, like, I remember having, like, I think I bought a book from the Scholastic School Fair, and it turned out that there was a ghost in it. And we had to put it outside so that the demons didn't get into our house. And when you're seven, that's very real. That's a very real feeling. And she told me, or like, you know, and I kind of learned from her, like she was afraid of Halloween decorations because they were demonic and there's demons in there. And now I am, I am 26 years old and I am still nervous around Halloween decorations. And that is a silly thing. Like, and I know it's silly. Right. And I, I can say that, like, I know the giant skeleton from Home yeah. Depot is not going to get me. Right. But my heart rate picks up like nothing else when I go into a party city during Halloween time. It, it's like, different parts. Hanging... It's totally different parts of your brain. Like, yeah, your logical there part of your a... brain knows. But it's like there's other parts of your brain that are just like your lizard brain is still. Uh huh. You know, my, my therapist helped me see that, like there are there are parts of you so like for each year i mean the way he helped me visualize it is that for each year there is that you so there is that there's a 20 year old me Mm -hmm. and there's a 17 year old me and there is a 16 year old me and there's a 13 year old me who tried to come out and was silenced and there's also a uh, a seven year old me that is screaming when we get into a party city and it's very hard to to silence her it's very right. hard to, to keep her quiet because that's that is part of me i have to acknowledge that part of me yep because she's she's there and she's she was she genuinely believed that those were demons yeah so you know it's it's hard to kind of and it's so funny because they're because they're just like 
you know how quick they are to condemn other people for being quote-unquote superstitious yet they are so superstitious when it comes to demon stuff like i i i heard you know all the same stories you probably heard growing up i I probably heard all very similar stories um you know i don't know if they ever told the smurf one i was a little too young for the smurf one the smurf one yeah about the there was apparently a famous uh tale about a smurf doll coming to life in a kingdom hall and like swearing and then what? running out of the kingdom hall but apparently what the hell yeah and that was that was like i don't want to say the generation before me but like the half generation of kids before me like that's a famous okay. story that's a famous story among like the 50 to 60 year olds now they weren't telling that story when i was when i was coming that up is in it insane. but like like i I heard other stories too, like you know the the demon possessed King Diamond CD that wouldn't burn. <laughs> I love it. Yeah, I love it. But like, I um, one thing I have is just kind of like an offshoot of the anxiety I have. Um, is is I I have frequent night terrors. These aren't these mm. aren't related to anything with being a witness. I was born with them. I'm gonna die with them. Yeah. Um. But I remember being a parent, I mean, not being a parent, I remember, like, telling my mom, like, hey, man, I had another bad nightmare. And her being like, okay, well, is there something in your room that might be giving you these bad nightmares? And me being like, okay, well, I guess I have to look to see what if a Harry Potter book got onto my bookshelf by accident. Like, (laughs) (laughs) J.K. Rowling put it there. Um, I accidentally brought a like, like, like you it, wouldn't it, that, know. Yeah, that level of paranoia. Yeah. Um, like a book uh, literally just magically appeared on your shelf. Mm-hmm. Like I have recently started. Not, I'm not very much into it, but like seeing scarier movies, I'm still an absolute wuss when it comes yeah. to them. I really am. But like seeing scarier movies or seeing movies with magic or with ghosts or with yeah you know witchcraft or whatever you know thing you want to pull from ecclesiastes it doesn't matter um and like having to remind myself okay this i am an adult and this is a story this is not real you can't get me nothing's gonna follow me home um and i'm a lot better with it now than i was when i was a kid but like you know if you grow up believing something for the first 19 years of your life you don't just get rid of that easily. You don't just flip a light switch and just stop believing it. It doesn't work that way. Mm-hmm. So is Christmas your favorite holiday? Oh, for sure. Yeah. I love it. I love wrapping gifts. I love I love baking. I love cooking. Do you like um, do you ever YouTube like gift wrapping methods? Like different man, ways. If I quit my job tomorrow, I would be the gift wrapper at Macy's. Really? I, I never had to look at a video. I am really, really good. I can wrap nice. anything. Oh man. I love I love getting those absolutely square corners and perfect yep. folds and the uh, full bow. I yeah. you know I'm not buying them prepackaged bows. I am buying <laughs> ribbon. I am making that bow. I am writing a handwritten card. <laughs> Oh, that man. is two paragraphs long yep. for my sister-in-law Pers- who's personalized, very confused. Personalized <laughs> to every single person. <laughs> You're like hardcore. I believe my partner's <laughs> uncle is getting a card. He don't know my first name, but he is getting a card. Like, um, wow. 
Yeah, no, I, 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 I'm, I'm exaggerating a bit, but no, I genuinely just love, I love Christmas. Yeah. It's yeah, silly, it's, it's fun. Uh, it's fun. And, and it's, I, I like my birthday as, as well. Yeah. Like, I think the first birthday I had, I was 21, maybe. Yeah, 21. Mm-hmm. Um, and at the time, I didn't have like a party or anything like that. I think that would have been too much. So it was just my, yeah. my partner and I and a cake she bought at Kroger with some huh. candles on it. And, you know, she tried to decorate it with like the store bought icing and whatever. And like, I just remember like hearing the song and like being like, okay, this would be really, really weird and cheesy if you cried. So like, I'm not going to cry, but like, but like feeling uh, like special and like, that's all that's a, this is a day for me. And I'm allowed to have this. It doesn't mean I'm selfish. It doesn't mean I'm a bad person. It doesn't mean I'm trying to put myself above God or whatever the hell it was that they taught us. Yeah. It's just it's just a little a little moment for me and it's not selfish to want that no it's just it's one day yeah it's like you can't just they can't even give you one day (laughs) where you it can just be about you for a day like it's so like it's just constantly about appearances and it's constantly about serving them and it's constantly about doing more and more and more and nothing you ever do will ever be enough for them no, no, not Nothing. at all. And and just like yeah, like especially as like as a woman, I I, I think that y- you know you can do as as much as you possibly can in that organization, but until yeah. you're married to that ministerial servant, who the hell are you? You ain't right. nothing. Yeah, it's right. Like, like I yeah. I remember my aunt trying to set me up with someone who was a ministerial servant, and I was like. 17 years old and they were I want to say older than 25 like and then just feeling like man is that what I am right is this is this all I am is of as a future wife I'm not saying being married is bad or anything like that I'm just saying that the way they view it is definitely like can be problematic and yeah when kids are getting married that young it's like Everybody knows why they're really getting married. Yeah. Like everybody, they're horny. Yeah. And like <laughs> Yeah, that's I mean there's <laughs> no denying it. Like they and it, but everybody everybody goes to that wedding and uh-huh. they all collectively pretend that they don't know exactly why they're getting married. Mm-hmm. <laughs> they just pretend that this is all like totally okay and and, and totally normal. Yeah. Like I had I, I think, had friends. I don't that think had anybody to... under twenty should be getting married. No, think... Christ. Yeah, like and and even even under twenty five, it's like you you got you got so much changing to do before you're twenty five. Mm-hmm. You don't know who you are, and and obviously everybody's different, you know. And I'm not gonna I'm not gonna sit here and draw a line in the sand or anything, but like you just. 19 is too young <laughs> like the person 19... i was at 20 is not me one of my friends had to get their like parents to sign off because they were underaged and they were marrying someone wow and like is that not a red flag all yeah. of my all of my friends got married under the age of 20 all of my like girl friends in the congregation 
Are they all, all are they them. all still married? Yes. Wow. Okay. And because you know, what choice do you have unless he yeah. cheats on you or right? That's it, really. When you think about it, unless yeah. he cheats on you, you're stuck. Yeah, I mean, you're stuck. <laughs> and every everyone that I went to when I was a teenager, like every wedding I went to, all of those weddings are long divorced. Really? All of them. Okay, so that keep in mind, like I'm, all my friends got married before twenty. I'm twenty six now, so yeah. there might be, you know, there's still time. Yeah, there. I mean. Yeah, I've had it's they've had more time, but it was usually within a couple of years. Really? Yeah. Now when they when they got divorced, were they reproved or disfellowshipped? Yeah, there was always some sort of a scandal. That yeah, way. so there like was cheating, there that, was drugs, there mm, was lots of different things. Because you're nineteen years old. Right. And nineteen year olds are stupid and they're yep. gonna do stupid stuff. Obviously Very cheating stupid. is bad. But, like, they're going to experiment with drugs and they're going to realize that, hey, you know, maybe I don't want to marry the first person I date. Yeah, probably Right? Not. And, <laughs> and like, the, the weddings that I went to, like, I remember just looking around and like, does anyone else think this is a horrible goddamn idea? Because they've been dating for four months. Yep. You're going you're gonna to tie yourself for life for a person. Mm-hmm. And you know them for four months? This is an organization that encourages children as young as eight years old to make lifetime commitments that they're going to be held to yes. for the rest of their lives. So it's it's kind of not surprising. Yeah, you're right. Yeah. Because like, oh. they're just like flipping, you know, you're, you're telling this kid, he's like, there is no possible way that an eight-year-old is mature enough and has and is fully informed enough to make a dedication to an organization like this and mm -hmm. to be held to that like i remember when i spoke with my father one time and he asked me what about your dedication to jehovah and i said and i told him that i made when i was 15 years old like i, I don't i didn't know anything right. else i was forbidden to know anything else <laughs> And they're like, well, you have to make sure that the truth is your own before you get baptized. I didn't have another choice. And also, of course, I'm going to agree with everything that's being told to me. It's the only source of information that I'm getting. Why would I? Yeah. And like, that's why, you know, when I was when I was still in the process of fading, like the. The meetings that I did go to, like, there's a lot of. And, I, and again, I, I, I keep bringing it up like with, with young women, but of course the, like, the young men in the congregation mm -hmm. have the same struggles. They might even have different struggles. But like the young women in the organization, I'll be the first to tell them, you get your ass to college, yeah. right? You get your ass to college. You make a name for yourself. You need to have something that will allow you, if you do decide to get married young, yeah. that will allow you to walk away, right? right. Because I, I, I genuinely believe that a lot of my friends are in these relationships because they have no source of income, <laughs> right? Their, their husband is the breadwinner. So they have no source of income. They have no education. And they probably don't have much income because yeah. their husband is probably, you know, doing some kind of a media work, which is, there's nothing wrong with that. Sure. Um, but... But, you know, you're going to be struggling. There's going to be stress there. 
And, and I think that for a relationship to work, for a relationship to be truly equal, both parties of the relationship need to have the ability to walk away. And not yeah. saying they would, but if they don't have that ability, somebody is trapped. Right. And that's definitely not conducive to having a good relationship when you have no. that hanging over your head. No. And so like the like the younger women in my hall, I'd be like, yeah, you, you be sure you get your papers. Be sure you get your money before yeah. anybody comes knocking on your door. And if you want to pioneer, that's great. If you want to, you know, whatever you want to do with your life, I'm not going to, I'm not going to sit here and tell you not to be sure you've got your ducks in a row. Yeah. So if anything goes south, you have, a, you have a fallback. Right. And I think that's like, that's something I struggled with was, and I think I talked about this earlier. Like I always thought that either the end of the world was coming or I would pioneer for the rest of my life. Right. When I realized, oh, neither of those things are happening. Yeah. I don't have a savings account. I don't have any credit. I don't know how to apply for college. I don't know how to own a job. Like you have right. to teach all of your, yourself all of that stuff. Yeah. So many uh, elders I see that are elderly and now, and they mm-hmm. never saved for retirement. They right. never planned for the future because they assumed that the end of the world would be here by now. Right. And it's it reminds me, it's like a slow version of, you remember back in 2011, all those, I don't know if you were, I don't know if you're in the United States or not, but um, back in 2011, there were a bunch of billboards all over the place about the end of the world. And this guy was saying that it was going to happen on May 21st, 2011. <laughs> I think I do. And people were like selling their houses to like, and buying like RVs to just live in an RV till the end of the world. And like, yep. And I feel like, you know, the witnesses is just like a really slow version of that where you're just carrying on. Like you're always going to be 25 because mm-hmm. that's what you're taught to expect. Like you are, you may have a temporary stage of your life where you're a little bit older, but the end's going to come and you'll just any day be now 25 for the rest of your life for the forever. And you'll always have energy and you'll never, you'll never need to save for retirement. You'll never need to have a degree to fall back on. You'll never need any of that. So why even bother? And they've been telling it, it just, it kind of dawned on me. My father passed away probably seven, eight years ago now. And you know, he was, he converted, but he dropped out of college. He dropped out and his parents like were his, my grandparents were pissed. When he did I can that. imagine. But uh, yeah, because they had paid for it and everything. And, oh, shit. Yeah, they put the And bill. he's just like, <laughs> and he was like, a, he, I think he was a year or less than a year from graduating. And he oh, just like hard. met a waitress, met her dad, studied with the witnesses. And then within a couple of months, he's like, I'm quitting college. You know, this is, you know, early 70s. And they're just like, oh, what the are you serious yeah yeah that's crazy and you know he just uh thankfully he got a job with a pension but um he still it was was like he was brought into something 50 years ago more than 50 years ago Mm -hmm. telling him that he was never going to go he was never going to grow old that he was never gonna have kids he was never going to, or and then he had kids and then but those kids would never go to school 
and then those kids went to school but those kids would never graduate school and then those yep. kids graduated school and but those kids will never you know those kids will never grow old and you know here i am looking in the mirror looking at all my gray hair and my dad who was told 50 years ago in the watchtower that you are never going to grow old in this system point blank no room for interpretation that's what the watchtower said yep and they were wrong how many lives is that destroying <laughs> hundreds thousands millions yeah. what's the count now nine point something million i i don't know the number of a, i think the, i think the number of anointed still going up oh yeah we're well past 144 aren't we now oh, um yeah. but like i also think that like yes there's that lack of preparation about what happens when you grow old and i kind of touched on this earlier i think there is a lack of preparation for death yeah. um and that when when death happens, at least in my family, I can't speak for all Jehovah's Witness families, it is such a shock. It is a shock. It's the most traumatic thing that's happened in the entire world, even if that person was elderly, even if that person had been falling ill for a while. Because yeah. how could they be dead? They were supposed to live forever. Yep. Right now, my, my mother's mother is is getting older. And I have, I have family that are getting older. And... I look at my mom and she is nobody's ready for their parent or nobody's ready for a family member to die no but no. they i don't think she believes it'll happen right and it's breaking my heart because everybody dies that's just yeah. how that's how life is everybody's gonna die you and i are yep. both gonna die one day right. and we have to i'm not saying we have to make peace with it but we have to accept it yeah. And we have to plan for it. We have to plan for, for, for caring for our parents. We have to plan for, you know, what happens if you don't have kids, who's going to take care of you? Like that sort of thing. You, you, you need to take care of that sort of stuff. Sure. And if you don't, death can be a absolutely horrific, it can feel unnatural. And I think that's what, Yeah. I, I think I even remember my family saying that, or the witnesses saying that, you know, the reason you feel so bad right now is because this is an unnatural thing that's happened to your family death isn't supposed to happen now that's not true death is supposed to happen but we're allowed to feel sad about it sure. we're allowed to grieve we're allowed to be in shock we're allowed to feel all that but but for the most part it's not surprising yeah and i hate jehovah's witness funerals so much golly if because... i die tomorrow and my mom gets a hold of my body and they do one of those i don't know if you've been to a witness funeral lately they will play a do you want to learn more about being one of members of jehovah's witness they will play that video at funerals now oh my god i, I the last funeral i went to was my father's and that was uh -huh. eight years ago they they did not play a video but there's a literature card out there and thankfully the brothers they had that gave the talks they were pretty generous about his life and they wanted to you know they they read a couple of things from each each of us about remembering him so there was a little bit of that but most of it was a sales pitch it was like yep, that's exactly what it is this is what he believed and if you're interested and 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 it's like i'm it pisses me off so much not just because it's the sales pitch, but it pisses me off because it, it is absolutely what my father would have wanted. 
he would have absolutely that that is that is what he would have wanted he didn't the memorial service or the funeral or whatever they call it it's not for it's not for the dead it's for the living and yes i just i think they the way they handle funerals is just or memorial services because they don't do funerals for some i don't even know what the difference between a funeral and a memorial i have service. no idea I think with a funeral, the body actually has to be there or something. Oh, okay. Yeah, that might be it. Yeah, and like... Never understood why we weren't allowed to do that either. I don't know that we're not. I just... Really? I think a lot of witnesses just don't... I don't know. I, I've, I've never had anybody, like, say that it's not allowed to get involved. Here's the question, have though. Have you, have you ever been to a witness funeral where there was a body? Not that I can remember. I but haven't there, either. There may have been when I was real little, like back in the eighties. Okay, okay. But it's just it was a very different. Like cremation back then was not as accepted as it is now, and I think a lot okay. of witnesses do it because they just don't want to spend a lot of money on. <laughs> they don't have a lot of money. Exactly, they don't <laughs> have a lot of money, and they just. I think the general attitude is just like, well, you know, this is just a shell and it's not worth saving. So, you know, what what I, what are we even doing preserving it and having people look at the body? I, I definitely agree with you on the fact that, like, Jehovah's Witness memorial service are the the, the, the worst things that have ever <laughs> I, I, that witnesses have ever done. Um, and, yeah. and you can put a trigger warning on this if you, if you don't want me to talk about it. Um, but I, when I was a witness, I was babysitting for a child who who passed, uh, not passed away, was murdered. And, and he was murdered at, at two years old. Tragic. Um, and that funeral, I remember the one of the elders getting and, and God that, you know, we talk about death being natural, but death is not natural when it comes to a two year old. Right. Um, and I remember him talking about reading that scripture about how the day of death is happier than the day of being born because oh, God. and then like you have that reasoning that you've had the chance to make a name for yourself with Je for Jehovah um, and it's like okay well this baby boy had a chance to make a name with himself for Jehovah because he was excited to put on his tie for the meetings and I, I tend to be a pretty easygoing person except for the anxiety I don't get angry I like, guess what I'm right. trying to say. I, I rarely get angry. I, I saw red. Like, yeah. I saw red. Like, that is a baby that I loved. And you're talking about him putting on a tie. Yeah. You're talking about if you want to learn more about being a witness. Yeah. That's not what we should be talking about. Right. That's the craziest thing I've ever heard. Yeah. I, was, I remember just being absolutely spitting mad. It's, it's so inhuman. Yeah, they, they talk about for it. they talk about in the end people have no natural affection, and it feels like they have no natural affection sometimes. And I and I know that they do. Sure, I know that they do, but when they do and say things like that, and I know the mindset that they have when they say those things, and I know they yep. don't mean to be that way, but just the way it comes across and the, the way it's so cold and mm -hmm. calculated how everything just comes back it, it's it it just makes you wonder why they don't just 
set step back and realize it's like i just said a very inhumane thing right now do you hear the words that are coming out of your mouth yes yes exactly that and what are they yeah it's like what are you doing just read the room and but it's like even the room it's really only going to shock the worldly people that are there Mm -hmm. if they're there and but most of the people there are just gonna eat it up and but you know yes this makes sense this is good and also normal right and (laughs) i really you know i would have preferred that there wasn't a sales pitch for my dad's religion at his funeral but i mean and and that's kind of why i said it's like i feel mad that i can't be mad about it (laughs) like i can be mad about it but like i feel like it's not right to be mad about it because the refrain's always going to be, well, it's not about you. And I'm like, well, it kind of is because... Is the other... No one... Who else is it for? What right. are you talking about? But you know, it's for the rest of my family, too, and they kind of, like, sure. just out... They outvote me, <laughs> so... Yeah, no, um, I understand that. Yeah, and... But anyway, it was... A friend of mine I interviewed a couple episodes before you, he, he was at my father's funeral, and when they whipped out the tablets he was just like dumbfounded (laughs) (laughs) oh man i completely forgot about the way the brothers had to read their hold the bible during the bible readings like oh yeah there was a way to hold yep i remember that yeah yeah holding holding the one hand and then opening it up on your one hand and using the other hand to flip yeah totally and i think my brother's first Bible reading, and he must have been. He still had to use the stool. Remember, like the stool yes. they would bring out for no, the younger yeah, guy. Yeah, I, I gave my first Bible reading at eight. I remember the stool. Yep. So he must have been around the same age. God bless him. His first Bible reading was the Song of Solomon. Oh no! <laughs> oh and I'm no! Like, Did no one give this eight-year-old a break? They used to oh, read no. about. Rest being like towers and honey of your lips and all that awkward stuff. And then I think his second was like the book of Leviticus where it was just all those names and the son of Jerezebel (laughs) and the son of Bartholomew and the son of these guys. They built a house. And now the sons of these guys built a house. Like no wonder this dude left. Y'all screwed up on these Bible readings. Holy cow. I don't. Yeah. Oh my God. That is. Imagine being an eight-year-old and having to hold your Bible up like that and give that oh, talk. Thankfully, I, I, was... get, I had the big. I had the really big Bible, so I could set it down on the on the podium. <laughs> oh, that's good. Yeah. I thought they. I thought they like they dinged you for that. They. That not to me, not me, but you know, different time maybe. I don't know. Yeah, maybe. Different time, different place too. Some... Did you guys have the bell? Yes. Yes, like, we did. Was the bell we, used for sisters only, or? Uh, I think for everybody. For everyone. If I remember like correctly, for... if you were like about to go over time, they just ring the bell and then yes. you kind of finish your thought. Yeah, they did it for everybody. That, as I recall. Oh, on ours it was just, it was just the ladies. I don't know why. Yeah, that's weird. But I, I remember like being in fear of that bell like you better time out your talk you better time out your practice presentation because god forbid someone with a uterus talks to the congregation so talk to another person and pretend like everybody else isn't there because that 
feels normal and that's really good to instill in young women right um we had a live piano player did you really yes. oh, your congregation was lit well i mean yeah this was like we didn't i don't think they had a sound system yet like this so i'm, I'm like revealing my age here but like i'm not no, that that's old, awesome but, but yeah it was probably early mid 80s and yeah, we had a sister that could play. She had like a special songbook where the songs would just like come out, and she could see them all in, all in like a whole bunch of pages oh, or whatever. She so had like a cool. loose leaf thing, and yeah, she'd like play all the Kingdom songs on the piano. And uh, but they they got rid of that like really early on. Like they they switched to the tapes, the cassette tapes, and the sound system. Uh, pretty quick but i still remember that I, that was like awesome i loved it it was awesome like just to see really just cool. to have a live, live music. piano player just to do that and i i don't think a lot of well i mean it, may, it was probably how a lot of congregations did it or in or they i wonder if they ever sang acapella when they didn't have anybody who could play piano we did yeah we sang we sang acapella when the brothers had like a sound difficulty oh right or, right. If the, or if the power went out and it was always like this magical moment of oh we're all coming together yeah <laughs> saying music can't hold us back right and now like now at least at the congregation that i used to go to they project you don't even need to get your songbook out anymore you don't need to look on your tablet they project the lyrics to the front of the screen oh yeah so there's no like music notes or anything just the song plays and the lyrics appear they're just they're um, becoming they're just becoming like they're slowly becoming like the evangelical mega churches you're by you they're just they're just copying like and and it's like it makes sense because like i'm just waiting for the uh, jehovah's witness rock band to show up and start playing <laughs> during the kingdom that's the saddest rock band in the world. Uh, it would be horrible. There was this documentary called Witness Underground that came out recently. And it was about all these Witness kids that had bands. Like, secular bands. Like, secular music. Huh. And, like, in the Minneapolis-St. Paul area. Back in wow. the Wow, no, I haven't watched it. That sounds yeah, really it's interesting. Hard, it's really hard to get a hold of to watch because it's, like... Um, it's still in like the the film festival circuit but yeah when it was in a film festival i i actually bought like online tickets to watch it online and it was like so because it, it was like that was my era of of being a teenage jehovah's witness like 96 oh, 97 cool. 98 and i was you know i played in bands and it was like just and i i'm i was geographically fairly close to these kids but not like that I knew them or anything, but like, man, it's like what they were talking about, like how you can only go so far when you're a creative person in the witnesses. Yes. With, with that's so true. That, that's, that rung out really good to me. I was like, I don't consider myself very creative, but like, you know, I can imagine how stifling that must be when you just are this type. If you're a type of person who just needs to write or needs to you know sing or needs to just mm -hmm. you have this need and you can you can do it in the witnesses but there's all this there's like this sword of damocles dangling over your head where if one thing goes wrong it all gets mm -hmm. shut down 
Like mm-hmm. if if one kid in the if one kid gets disfellowshipped, if one kid gets reproved, if if your service hours start to slack, it is mm-hmm. over, and you're just constantly living with that over your head while you're trying to just do what you're made to do. Um, it was it's very I can powerful. Only imagine that. I, it's very powerful. I recommend watching it if you have a chance to. Um, yeah, I would love to. And my There's... listeners as well. <laughs> oh, 100%. Yeah. There is a movie that is in the film festivals right now. I haven't I haven't um had a chance to watch it. I'm really excited about it though. It's the it's called You Can Live Forever. Okay. Like pl- playing off of obviously one of the scriptures. Right. Um but it's a a, a lesbian coming of age story. Huh. Which I'm just really excited about. It's about, you know, somebody raised as a witness and and then realizing, you know, you know, maybe they're attracted to girls and then, you know, a childhood friend that they're studying with or whatever. It's supposed to be like just a a, a cutesy coming of age story. I've always had like trouble with um, like Jehovah's Witness media or like, I guess I should say ex-Jehovah's Witness media, people who make stories about Jehovah's Witnesses Mm. or anything like that, because sometimes they don't always get everything right and i guess that yeah. just that 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 takes me off which is kind of why i like this podcast because i don't have to explain terms like approved yes. or disfellowshipped or governing body or who tony morris is and why he's drinking right like <laughs> yes <laughs> this is a very need... this is like a very for us by us podcast like and that's that's why um chev who started this that's the exact reason why she wanted to do this podcast because we get on other forms of media to tell our story but we have to stop every few minutes and explain what yes, this means yeah. and we have to stop the, it's like we have to explain what this means and we have to explain who this is and who that is and who founded it and it's just it's kind of nice to have something to sit back where the audience generally already knows all this stuff and we can just mm-hmm. tell our story and yeah that's what get that's what I'm really excited about in in being a part of this is just giving people a platform to tell their story without having to explain everything. Yeah, no, I, I, like I said, I, I really appreciate this. I've been looking forward to this for a long time. That's for sure. Well, I'm going to wrap things up, but I want to ask, yeah. do you have any advice to somebody who is thinking of leaving or uh, has just left? Uh, what would you, is there anything you have to say to them? Yeah. Um, the world is so much nicer than you believe it is. And I know that like you can turn on the news and there's shitty things happening all the time. But as a whole, and maybe I'm naive for saying this, as a whole, I think that people are good. And the majority of people you'll meet in your life are good. Um, you might not always agree with them. And you might not always have the same beliefs as them. That doesn't mean that they're bad. And it doesn't mean that one of you is wrong. People just simply are. (laughs) And you can disagree with each other. And you can both still be good. So I guess I would just encourage you to, you know, to reach out to friends from school. um, To to do your best to find friends. The dorkiest way I made friends was I stole my partner's friends. And then I also started doing D&D groups like Dungeons and Dragons and meeting people there. It's the nerdiest shit, but it helped me talk to people. Um, using online forums is always a great way. Um, the XJW Reddit has been 
really, really supportive at times. Um, I've been able to post questions there. I've been able to offer resources there. Um, you know, speaking of resources, you know, reach out if you have any questions about college. Um, if you have any questions about, you know, how to find housing, like there are people in this world who can and will help you. Um, and I think that's just important to recognize. And for Christ's sake, go to college, go to college, <laughs> go to community college, get a degree in fucking bubble gum. It doesn't matter. Get your degree because <laughs> it opens a lot of doors for you. Um, I got in, I got a degree in education, secondary education, English. Um, I'm not, I'm not an English teacher anymore. Um, I'm, I'm working in the corporate world. Um, but just having that degree opened doors for me. Um, so if it's possible for you, go to college. If it's not possible for you, reach out and, and let people help you remove those barriers so you can get to college. Um, you know, it's obviously not the answer for everyone, but I, I genuinely do believe it is the answer for most. And even if that degree doesn't help you, you will meet so many people. Your network will expand just by simply attending a class. Um, and that can be a huge, a huge resource.